You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Welcome to I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, Cinema Geekly's Star Trek podcast. It's the Chief Petty Officer, Anthony Lewis, along with the reinstated Fleet Admiral, Ben Knight. Hello, Ben. How are you? Uh, hello. You just caught me in the middle of something. Just give me one second. You know how important it is to diarize stuff. And, uh, ah, absolutely, yes. Your questions as well. Just bear me one second. <clears throat> yes. Admiral's Log, Stardate 2023.04.10. It's been brought to my attention that I've been absent from my duties for the past few weeks. I'd like to take this opportunity to explain my absence. It all started when I decided to take a vacation on Ryza, the famous pleasure planet. I'd been working tirelessly for months, and I thought it was time for a little uh, R&R. However, as luck would have it, I contracted a rare tropical illness that had all the symptoms of syphilis that left me bedridden for weeks. I won't bore you with the details um, or the discharges, but suffice it to say that it was a rather unpleasant experience, but fear not. Uh, I am now fully recovered and ready to resume my duties. I understand that my absence may have occurred. I've just realized that tended to Kirk. Uh, may, <laughs> may have caused some inconveniences, and for that, I apologize. Rest assured, I am now fully committed to our mission of exploring the final frontier and protecting the United Federation of Planets. In the meantime, I will be reviewing all of the reports that have come up in my absence and catching up on any developments that may have occurred. Um, thank you for your understanding. Now, let's get back to work. Ah, okay. So you can probably go ahead and delete that computer. It's fine. <clears throat> you know, fascinating that that mm. happened to you. Uh, yeah. I also happened uh-huh. to run into a situation of my own. I was do, caught. Do you, are you going to do a log? No, no. Oh God, no, Chief Petty fine. Officers. We don't get logs. I'll kill the chat. I'll kill the crap. Uh, the sound effects. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we we get we get like a we get like a little college rule notebook to write in, and mm-hmm. maybe people read. I honestly, I feel like they just take the pages, tear them out, crumple them up, and throw them into the warp reactor. But I, I read every page of the reports. Oh, that okay. Lesser members of crew sent to me. I, I read them all. I remember that time you wrote about the the thing. Anyway, do <laughs> sure. Well, I appre- I appreciate that. I so uh, you know working up in the nacelles like I do, uh, mm-hmm. just kind of living alone like a hermit up there, uh, watching, reviewing the episodes of Star Trek Picard season three. Uh, I happen to find myself weirdly in a, mm-hmm. a strangely highly localized time loop, just oh. right around the nacelle that I live in, and uh, I just kept watching the first two episodes over and over and over again, Ben. And uh, Mm -hmm. finally, finally, when our science officer managed to realize what was happening, break Mm -hmm. the time loop, uh, there's just been so many more episodes. I just completely missed them. And uh, I'll tell you what, I started to watch them. And uh, I don't know what happened, Ben, but this show got really good, really quick. Uh, that's because it was put on a schedule. Um, you remember we've got that warning that we had to do everything in 10 minutes? Hang on a minute. I think I still got it on the subspace log. Hang on. Oh, here it is. Yeah. You have 10 minutes oh. to come to the bridge oh, yeah. or I'll execute 
one crew member for every 10 minutes that mm. follow. That's horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, that, well, we'll do our best to zip through these. So we're, we're going to, we're, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to talk about three episodes of Star Trek Picard season three. I think that really, you know what, Ben, three mm. episodes, season three, it's 2023. Uh, this episode aired in the, the third month of the year. It's It really is actually like that time loop episode of Next Gen where the number seven or whatever was, or no, it was three, right? It was Riker's Pips. Yeah. That was yeah. uh, actually important. So, you know what? Kismet, Ben, this was all meant to be. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know what? Let's jump right in. Episode three. Look at that. Of mm-hmm. season three on the third, mar- <laughs> the third like, month. The third month. Global episode. I think. History of this show as well. Yes, it is. Oh, my God, Ben. I think we've just stumbled upon something. All the tumblers in the universe have clicked like together. It's a trap laid by a mad person. <laughs> I'm Harriet's sister, oh. Rose. Oh, yeah. No, not you. Not you. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, this episode is called 17 seconds and not three seconds, but yeah. uh, we're going to run through it real quick. Uh, last we left our intrepid crew many weeks ago, the Shrike, the <laughs> the Shrike attacks the Titan, injuring Captain Shaw, who transfers command to former Captain William T. Riker. Uh, Beverly explains that she did not tell Picard about Jack in order to keep their son safe from assassination attempts. The Titan, as you would, uh, the Titan attempts to escape the nebula that they are in, but is cornered by the Shrike, who is using the stolen portal technology. Picard advises Riker to lure the Shrike into a trap, but Riker wants to flee and prioritize saving the crew. Jack and Seven deduce that Vatic is tracking gas leak on the Titan and find an ens- and find the ensign sabotaging the ship. He is revealed to be a changeling. And escapes their custody. I know. I didn't see it coming. Uh, Mm. Using the freighter, the Serena, uh, Raffi, and Worf capture the criminal that they believe responsible for the attack on Metallus Prime. They discover that he is also a changeling, part of a group that has been fighting the Federation since the end of the Dominion War. They realize that this attack was just a distraction. Convinced uh, by Picard's insistence that they fight back, Riker fires on the Shrike, but their weapons are redirected back at them via portal weapon, and the Titan sustains heavy damage. Riker blames Picard and orders him off the bridge as they drift towards a gravitational anomaly in the Nebula. Ben, what did you think Mm. of episode three? It was an oddly frustrating beast, was episode three. Like, from a production point of view, it actually was easily the best of what we'd had up until uh, up until then so yeah that's pretty good um i i struggled a little bit with the uh the relationship between actually all of the next gen crew in this episode so and particularly i guess it kind of you know reaches the climax in the disagreement between picard and riker at the end um i mean that turns like real quick and seems like oddly jarring that uh, that Picard, you know, he's made a call. It's a pretty bold one, it has to be said. Maybe some people say it'd be a stupid one. Um, but for Riker then to uh, lose his shit in the manner that he did uh, is, is is slightly odd. Um, it, 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 there were bits of it that felt kind of jumbled up. I mean, we recycled the damn thing's got to have a tailpipe uh, plot line from yeah. uh, from the movies in order to see how bad it was tracking the Titan, which was 
felt a little unimaginative, but um, you know, plot device and so on. But it did feel overall like episode three was um, was kind of well, you know, we talked about having all of the pieces on the board in episodes one and two, and this felt like okay, and now we're going to start seeing how this plays out. We see the introduction of the uh, of the changelings in in, in earnest, and you know, we, that starts to to sort of play out and so on. Um, it, it was, as I say, it was slightly frustrating. I mean, Beverly's explanation to uh, Picard about about Jack was fairly unimaginative in the sense that, you know, she gives the justification um, uh, that, you know, to, to avoid these assassination attempts and so on. But, it, again, the reality of that is, well, well, it clearly didn't work, did it? And, no. um, you know, clearly that wasn't kept much of a secret from anyone in the universe except Picard, it seems. <laughs> um, right. But... Yeah, I mean, I guess we didn't necessarily know that at uh, that point, but obviously we come to know it. Um, so yeah, it, it it felt like a maybe slightly slowly paced uh, sort of kickoff of the actual plot in earnest of, of season three. And I think we do have to remember as well that don't forget, season three was not originally going to be this storyline. This 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 came rather late to the writers' room mm-hmm. uh, because obviously originally season three was a continuation of season two. Until they finally got all of the ink on the paper for um, for the the next gen cast, so yeah. I'm not surprised that perhaps the, the the central story takes a little while to get going. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, I mean, this was probably the first episode where I got to the end of it and thought, okay, you know, I, I'm. It was the first time I f- sort of had me reaching for the next episode button and then being frustrated that it wasn't there. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same here. I thought. Uh, that going with changelings I did not expect that at all. No. Um, I loved honestly the, the very subtle references to, well, not super subtle, but the, the references to Odo who obviously yeah. couldn't appear in this show because of the passing of, uh, Rene Abergenois, I believe is how yeah. his last name is pronounced. Uh, and, but I loved, of course, loved that it was mentioned and, it, but it also makes perfect sense that maybe not all of the changelings would have been satisfactory or like satisfied with the end of the Dominion War and that there would be splinter groups and things like that. It makes uh, it makes sense. Uh, it was a little rocky, but mm. a noticeably marked improvement for me over the first couple of episodes. Like it really started to feel like, OK, it's picking up pace a little bit. I was caught off guard. This was a pleasant surprise. Let's see where it goes from there. Do you uh, do you recall what you would give an episode such as this before we move on to the next? Um, I, I, I've vacillated massively during it because I, I tend mm. to have that at the back of my mind when I'm watching any uh, episodes of this. Yeah. I, I think overall I came out that it was only it was about a three and a half for me because mm-hmm. while so much much of it was was being fixed, like I felt a little bit, I felt a little bit let down by I guess it's. Is it the sort of a a point five plot, the whole uh, yeah. Jack thing? Um, and I wasn't yet sure what to make of the changeling uh, kind of reintroduction. So, um, and also, this is I think it's probably one of the biggest criticisms of this series so far is the the the, the B plot, the Ruffy Wharf stuff. Yeah. Um, there were so many other little bits that they could have sewn in at this point that felt like they were obviously going to be coming to happen and it, it just felt that there was a it just felt a little bit jarring so that's that's where it's a three and a half rather than a little bit higher for me yeah that's where i la- I landed on a three and a half as well for this one uh largely for the reasons that you stated yeah it was in between those points of 
like, eh, and okay. It was like, it was in between those points of where I was, uh, you know, with it, but not super interested. And then, you know, leaning towards becoming super interested. Uh, all right. On to episode four then, mm. which is no win scenario or scenario, if you will. Uh, Vedic, who is, of course. Yeah, she's her sister Rose. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we know. <laughs> we know Vedic, or not Vedic. Um, uh, Vedic, who is a changeling, uh, contacts her superior, whatever that thing is, and mm. is ordered to pursue the Titan at all costs. Doing so in the nebula requires disengagement of the portal tech. With only a few hours of power remaining in the Titan, Riker admits Picard was right and suggests that he spend his last few moments bonding with Jack. In the holodeck, Picard and Jack tell each other about some of their adventures, but are joined by Captain Shaw, who bitterly recounts his experience as a Starfleet engineer during the Battle of Wolf 359, when Picard had been assimilated by the Borg and was attacking the Federation. Riker, Beverly, and Picard form a risky plan to use an energy pulse from the nebula to recharge the ship's systems. Shaw and Seven help them succeed, and Seven identifies and kills a changeling imposter. The Titan damages the Shrike on their way out of the nebula with uh, many jellyfish-like space creatures uh, that were sort of being birthed, I guess, inside of that nebula. Uh, that seems to come out of nowhere in the paragraph but it, it's less out of nowhere in the episode, but it's Monster. more, it's more out of nowhere in this paragraph. Um, as they warp away, Picard realizes that he briefly met Jack five years earlier and inadvertently dismissed his attempt at a connection alone. Jack has vivid hallucinations of a destroyed world and a voice saying, find me. What did you think of episode four? Well, this was, <clears throat> excuse me. This was way more interesting. So um, way more. Yes. Yeah, there were. This is where we start to put together what's going on here. Yeah, uh, let me get the jellyfish creatures out of the way briefly. Yeah. Like lazy plot device. Oh, and then this is the reason why this you know doesn't nothing physically moves much more than it does here. Yeah. Um, whatevs didn't really care. It, it did feel like stuff. kind of a nice callback to encounter at Farpoint a little. Yeah, bit. I, I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, but then you know, and we we. we obviously understand Shaw. I mean, we could have seen the thing with Shaw coming since that dinner table scene a few episodes ago. Uh, so obviously he's not a big fan of the Borg and therefore holds uh, Picard and no doubt Hansen um, slightly responsible for all sorts of stuff. Again, sort of fine. Um, don't think it makes Shaw much more interesting. We get a little bit more texture from him as, as things go on, but at the moment, yeah, whatever. So what we're really left with then is is the um, Picard and uh, and Jack stuff now? The I, I I've read stuff on Reddit and similar where people have really had a go at this episode's kind of you know oh yeah of course he was there one time and he didn't see him and blah blah blah. Uh, I actually thought I, I don't think it was particularly skillfully directed actually that particular scene, um, but because I think that it it seemed a little bit lazy actually in terms of the way it was put on screen um but that scene kind of made sense to me and I, I could see that that's something that jack's character would do um like a lot of of what we see in that flashback scene makes sense to me uh, i did enjoy by the way in passing um the 
the slagging off of Jameson's whiskey, um, <laughs> which I absolutely loved. And it's, it's angered a number of friends of mine on Facebook, mainly Irish friends. Uh, if you don't remember, it's, um, you know, he's talking about what whiskey wants and he wants something cheap and horrible, basically. And so you very clearly get a bottle labeled to the front as well, labeled to the front bottle of Jameson's whiskey, which is, let's be honest, fucking horrible whiskey. Um, but yeah, so, you know, this is there's some classic Star Trek space stuff in here as well. So yeah, the jellyfish thing. But what's been missing a little bit for me, and I, I didn't really realize it until it was in this episode. One of the things we... I think all used to love about particularly next gen and then it carried on in Voyager, I guess, was um, the sort of reach for their own science, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so here it's only, you know, it's, it's part of the situational part of the plot to do with, you know, the energy pulse and all that sort of business. But I'd forgotten how good it feels, how, how much a, an itch is scratched by watching, um, you know, our protagonists locating, identifying a particular problem and then figuring out how to solve it in a science in inverted commas, a Star Trek science yeah. sort of way. And that felt important uh, to me. Yes. Um, we do see, uh, I mean, Seven, we've kind of got used to Seven being kind of kick-ass by this stage, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that was sort of a thing ever since the you know first trailer she appeared in for, for Picard back uh, you know a couple of years ago. But yeah. um, we see a bit more of that. Some of those scenes are a little bit frustrating because I, I just think, again... I do feel still that there's some slight editing problems across the show. And a lot of it, I guess, for season three, I'm putting down to, as I say, the fact that it's, it's put together in a bit of a hurry. Yeah. That said, this all felt slicker. I, I found it easier to overlook a lot of those issues. Um, and I think that's squarely on the back of um, uh, Terry Matlas being the, the writer or co-writer of this episode mm-hmm. and John Frakes' direction. I, I I have my views on Riker, as you know, and indeed as, as Frakes' performance as Riker. Yeah. That said, he is um, easily and without question um, one of the best directors of, of Trek that you could hope for. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't let down in this episode. No. Um, I think the, the the slight kind of pacing irritation started to kick in here with how many times do we need to see the same little clip or the same little, you know, voice echo thing of... Um, ultimately whatever it is that's that's calling out to Jack. Uh, they're dropping little clues here. It could be misdirection, I think, maybe at this point, but but we'll look at that as we go forward in the episodes. But by this episode, I think this was the first point where I'm like, oh, I wonder if... And um, I hadn't really formed a, a set conclusion by then, but, um, yeah. but I, I think, you know, we could see, I think, vaguely where they were heading. Mm. Uh, plus, also, this is... We start to get a look at what's directing... Um, uh, Vadic, and again, is it misdirection or not? We still don't know at the time of recording. But um, is that a that shape of that head? Is is that a Cardassian head, possibly? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, a modified one. But like looking at the general shape of that face, there is a, a definite sort of familiarity to it. That's I guess something for sure, right? Yeah, and and. You know, I that's I guess that plus the way that this thing presents to Jack, I was beginning to get certain distant bells ringing my brain of, uh, uh, but I certainly hadn't formed a conclusion by that point. But it was a solid episode, and it it was it felt like a jolt forward, and um, I now kind of felt like I cared slightly more about who Shaw is and was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
and kind of the filling in the fallibility stuff with Picard, I think was important because in the previous episode, obviously, you know, ends with that brutal kind of dismissal of of, uh, of Picard from the bridge, and it felt like we were sort of digging a little too deeply into the you know get rid of this senile old man off our bridge. And this was starting to kind of remind you who he was yeah. and maybe even remind Picard a little bit of who he was. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I mean, obviously we've seen the, you know, you were the cutest, you did this to my family. Like we saw mm. it with Cisco, like the first time we saw it have like real impact outside of Picard's own mental stability. scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Like, so we've seen it before, but it makes sense that we would see it more often than that because it was, you know, kind of the defining, you know, uh, it was for lack of a better word, it was like the Pearl Harbor or whatever of, it's just the thing that you'd, you'll never forget. It was such a huge tragic loss. Like it's, it's been a living memory for, for all of the protagonists in this, yeah, even if you yes. score and so on as being that. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I thought a well done speech. I mean, obviously it explains why he kind of dead named seven, right. Mm -hmm. And why he's so dismissive of Picard and Riker, like, you know, in his mind, it's like all of the gallivanting you guys did, like led to this moment in my life that, you know, took so much away from yeah, and yeah, point. and that's the the harshest lesson, right? Is that he's not wrong. Mm. Like that's definitely the hardest part about all of it is he's got a he's got a point. Yeah. Um I uh I thought this is really where the show started to pick up mm. uh like a lot. Uh I uh I like the tiny bits where they went out of their way to sort of explain why the holodeck would still be working, which, yes. uh, and I love Terry Metalis on uh, Twitter was like, you know, there's like, I love, he's such a star Trek nerd. He's like, you know what? We're not just saying that in the show. There is reasons like that. He's like, we, he's like you, Ben in court. He's like, we have, we have precedent. And like, he points to like some episodes of Voyager and some mm-hmm. other things where it's like, the the holodeck systems are kind of shunted away from the main power system so this way in case of an emergency there's like a reprieve from all the you know the and, and geordie's explained it in next gen previous way well, yes. he gave an explanation in I, I cannot for the life of me remember what episode it was um but it's one of the you know the kind of set pieces for next gen where geordie you know just takes himself off to the uh, to the holodeck in order to work through whatever engineering sciencey problem it is that he needs to do in order to save everyone, and it becomes clear that like everything else on the ship is, has gone to shit, and yet, you know, this is on a separate thing. We also see it in Voyager again for a different reason. Um, uh, Year from Hell, because you know that ship. The whole point is that the ship is isolated in terms of its power and everything else from the holodeck. The explanation we have in that is that it's because you know the bad guys want to run a crazy simulation about the Nazis' occupation of Paris, but uh, wherever it was. Uh, whereas you know they do mention in passing, well, the holodeck is an isolated system. So he's quite right when he says that you know they didn't just dream this up for this episode. It, it's it's right there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Oh my god, I lost my train of thought. 
how many, how many, uh, what would we school this episode? Oh my God, Ben. Yes. I'm Ooh. sorry. Uh, right. well, you know what? Actually, that's why I go to you first. Like, what would you give this episode? Cause I, I keep, think, I keep, uh, listener, listener doesn't realize this, but like, I'm trying to keep track of like what's next and where we're going next. And, uh, my brain just got, uh, muddled up there for a second. So, uh, we'll, do, we'll, do, we'll do the quick um, sobriety test. Uh, can you say words written down on this card uh, three times quickly? Yeah, you can. Sure. Oh, methaphetaconda, methaphetaconda, methaphetaconda. Yeah, exactly. So you see, he's fine. Yeah. Uh, I would give this. Uh, I, this felt like a four to me. Um, it wasn't perfect. There were things wrong. Though it, 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 it was, it was a solid four. I, one thing I will say about this episode is that even though we didn't see quite so much of it, the. Um, the the CG in this episode felt like way above what we'd seen in the previous episodes, and that's not because this episode was you know particularly spectacular on a visuals basis. I think it was literally just you can see the bits where they've they've sort of spent the time, or maybe they're bigger kind of bits that they've been working on for longer or whatever, or maybe even some reused materials. I don't know, um, but it, it felt a lot smoother visually this episode than than previous ones. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, when I originally, when I saw this episode, Mm. I gave it, I think I thought maybe like too high a score. I don't know. I, I, I went back and kind of skimmed through some of them. It's only the most recent ones that I've watched fully back to back. Um, I feel so torn because like, I know this is not like perfect, or anything, but this is absolutely the moment. I don't know. This whole episode felt so Star Trekky to me, like next mm-hmm. gen. Like it was. Yeah. Those moments were seeping in, and they, uh, spoiler, they only increase in mm. volume uh, as the episodes go on. I don't. I I think ultimately I'm going to land at a four and a quarter. Mm-hmm. I really did enjoy this one. Um, <sighs> okay. I'm, it felt very next gen. I, I agree with you. It did. it did. Although I was in for a surprise when I'm like, ah, this feels so next gen. And then some other episodes <laughs> happen and I'm like, oh my God, like we'll talk about like it. Like the next one in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's instead talk about episode five. Let's close out this episode of the podcast mm-hmm. with episode five imposters. Uh, Jack's visions begin showing him murdering the crew. Oh, uh, Riker returns command of the Titan to Shaw. Shaw contacts Starfleet, who promptly sends the USS Intrepid to intercept them and take Picard and Riker into custody. The Starfleet officer heading the security team is none other than Roe Laren, who wait, betrayed. What? I that actually stunned me. I'm like, wait a minute. I know how Roe Laren ended off in Next Gen, and what? Uh, she betrayed Starfleet years earlier by defecting to the Maquis, but apparently returned after her imprisonment. She did her time, Ben, and now mm. she's back. Beverly can like but never mind. <laughs> Beverly conducts the imposter's autopsy, discovering the changelings have evolved to hold their shape longer and evade body scanning technology, and she notifies Picard, but Roe drags him into the holodeck. She suspects the changeling conspiracy. Uh, comprised of Starfleet's highest levels, uh, both on the Intrepid and the Titan, Picard realizes he still trusts her, despite uh, his anger towards her. Uh, they reconcile. Before Roe gives Picard her Bajoran earring, Roe pilots her shuttle, 
but Changeling saboteurs plant a bomb on board, forcing her to steer the Intrepid, sacrificing uh, steer into the Intrepid, sacrificing herself. The saboteurs attempt to transport out with Jack, but he overcomes. Uh, but he is overcome by visions and shoots them all dead. Picard and Riker realize Rose Earring contains the intelligence she gathered, and a communicator. Worf and Raffi continue their investigation into the Metallus Prime attack finding the Vulcan criminal Kryn, who forces them to duel. Raffi seemingly defeats Worf, but Worf manages to kill Kryn's minions, forcing Kryn to give vital information about the attack. Worf contacts Picard and Riker via Rose Earring, just as the Titan flees the Intrepid. Jack admits to Beverly that he thinks that there is something wrong with him. Okay, your thoughts on episode Hmm. five. This was a mixed bag of an episode for me. Um, so I'm going to put this right out there to start with. Um, I really, I don't know whether it was because of, um, uh, God, what's his name? Kirk Acevedo, is it? Um, as Kryn or or whether yeah. it's the character or kind of the clunky way it was dropped into into this plot. I don't know. So like the whole idea is he's the one who works with um, Sneed to to do over Daystrom. Fine, that's yeah. particularly complicated. Um, his character, I don't know, everything about his character seems so jarring and and weird. It gave us a pretty strong scene for Worf. So, um, you know, Kring gets the upper hand, um, you get the, the duel, and Raffi, as is required for reasons, um, stabs Worf. Kring, like a Blanca, because, you know, he didn't see him die on screen. Um, he assumes that Worf's dead. And, you know, Worf has managed to fake his own death. Uh, and then, of course, kills all of uh, Kryn's crew. All right, I get, you know, the sort of sequence of events there that that, that makes this work. However, I, I was not here for Kryn's performance. It, it felt... It almost felt a little bit like a sort of Diet Coke version of... Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what you call it from from Nemesis? It, 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 it oh just, yeah 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I know I know what you mean. Not um, not Picard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so there was yeah. I mm, wasn't in love with that, but weakest part of that, the episode to me. Yeah, definitely. Um, however, however, it brought about change, and that's a good thing. So then we get to the Ray Laren thing. So um, I mean, this is fun service to a point because you're always going to go, oh my god, uh, which obviously I did. Uh, and I, I was, I was first of all, by the way, I was surprised how little she has changed, as in the the actor playing Ray Laren. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, it's uh, killing Michelle, me that Forbes. I Forbes. Say. God, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, say your say your piece, but I'm going to go off on Michelle Forbes in a minute. Well, well, I, I was about to say. So she she gave a superb performance here. So bringing a character like Ray Laren back into, or bringing it back into Trek at all is tricky bringing her back in on a slightly sketchy premise which you may take the view that this kind of is she's done her time with a you know paramilitary terrorist uh, terrorist organization and has suddenly been welcomed back into starfleet and Adams. come come you beautiful um traitor you uh seems a little odd uh but then the intensity of the scene um with her and picard in yeah, the massively overused set of that bar. Um, you can tell they built it and they just needed to get the most out of it. Hey, uh, that scene is is a lot. And uh, like 
two lesser performances would have rendered that scene maybe even unwatchable because some of the dialogue itself is a little bit cringe. The the way it was performed was was quite stunning. And 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 you really you may think, well, it was kind of overdone. It really wasn't when you consider that you've got one episode to make you care at all about Ro Laren. Um because, you know, there's a lot of fun hatred for Ray Laren over the years. Which um, is weird to me. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I agree. always thought her character was very interesting, but yeah. I, I always thought she was interesting. I've actually thought she was one of the more interesting characters in the run of Next Gen, actually. But, you know, there's a lot of people who who start from the premise of I don't believe she would have made it that far in Starfleet, um, you know, to have even been in the position that she was in to to um, to, to betray Picard. So I, I can understand the, yeah, the issues with it. But... Um, they had one episode to turn that, you know, on 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 a pin and say, no, 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 you need to care about Rolaren, and here's the reason why. Yeah. Because Card cares about Rolaren, and she cares about him so much so that when you know she she commits the ultimate um, uh, penance for her betrayal at the end of this episode, it's a whole moment. Like, yep. It, the, oh, you know, um, that that was that, that was as one of well probably. Certainly, in the top three strongest moments of the entire of Picard for me so far. Yes, uh, which you know, when I first saw her on screen, I was, oh god, this is going to be an awkward kind of cameo situation, or whatever. It mm-hmm. really wasn't. No. I thought as well a lot she of got the scenes. So much to chew on in this. Yeah, she really did. And and actually, this is where um, I felt that uh, Jonathan Frakes was. He surprised me. As I say, I'm sometimes a little bit harsh about Jonathan Frakes. You sure are, Ben. However, the My scene. Buddy- Jay Frakes. Right. But <laughs> the scenes between Riker and Rolaren, like they were, it, that really felt like being transported back to Next Gen. It's because so that did. whole dynamic suddenly snapped back to being the captain, the first officer, and the, you know, the, the, the wayward uh, junior officer. Yeah. Like everything about the dialogue changed. It, it Like I presume it was intentional that that's, mm-hmm. you know, what that was to become yeah um a couple of plot devices in there didn't do much for me but you know the the whole point about the earring and so on i guess you need some reason to figure out what's going on whatever um yeah plus it was like it doubled as like a sweet moment of like picard thinking Mm. like oh you're changeling row like if you were row where's your bajoran earring like the your culture meant so much to you and like at the end when she gives it to him it's almost Mm. like like oh wow like that's like a really powerful moment or whatever but it also acts as like this twist of like also embedded in this is all the information you need like i'm slipping it to you so like it doesn't get into the wrong hands like yeah yeah i love i love these little layers i like how kind of she's become slightly colder unless hundred percent yeah unless kind of ridiculous because ray lauren one of the reasons i think a lot of fans didn't like her in next generation is like she was um she was petulant in a way that mm-hmm. that seemed odd for an officer that had reached the stage, or, you know, relatively junior stage that yeah. she'd reached. Um, I, I think, in terms of the, you know the, the zoom out bigger plot stuff here, it, obviously we needed to have the discovery that Beverly made. You know, after all of us had figured it out, um, that wait they've evolved and blah blah blah. Yes. Although there is a question mark over how they evolved and you know whether there was some assistance in in that, which I suspect we may find out a little bit about. Yes. Um, and you know we we get to see yet more cr- clues on the subject of uh, of Jack, um, which it was played it was kind of played down a little bit in this episode, and that's because it was very much jammed back into the fore uh, in the next one, which we'll speak about in our next episode. But yes. um, 
there was a lot happening here and i think overall i came away from this episode feeling very satisfied yes you know whether it was the cheap ass action stuff between i mean i enjoyed raffi and wharf kicking crim's ass just because i thought crim was terrible annoying Um, yes yeah and so you know i i actually cared briefly about uh raffi and wharf's little side quest yeah um but yeah, I mean, the headline here is, you know, if you can revive simultaneously next-gen um, kind of involved story and make yeah. us care in one episode and simultaneously tie that in with what is basically DS9 um, and, and mm. still have that all, like, come out and make sense, then yeah. that's good. Um, as I say, the Jack stuff, we, we got a little bit more of a clue that, points me i think that kind of consolidated what i thought at the end of episode four about where we were heading with jack um but i I can't spoil that at this point because i think it became a lot more obvious later on yeah um yeah this was a solid episode and um this this got us without a second hesitation it was a four and a half from me okay yeah i thought this was a super episode i uh the moment they did the row reveal I was like, oh my God, it's just every episode is turning into Christmas for me now, Ben. Like (laughs) they're just, they're just bringing, they're just bringing back things from my childhood that like they did not make hints to any of this. There was no, that was secret, wasn't it? They were very tight lipped on pretty much all of, honestly, all of the things that have cropped up so far since the first few episodes have been surprises. Mm -hmm. Um, Even like in the trailer, the lore reveal is not exactly as it seems, um, although the Moriarty reveal is as it seems, and we'll talk about that when we get to him, but, um, uh, very interesting stuff, but I was super excited. I think I would have been, I would have been excited regardless, but I think I'm even more excited because I got to see obviously Michelle Forbes Rolaren in next gen, but, um, Ronald D Moore liked her so much in the show that he cast her in a very pivotal role in his Battlestar Galactica reboot. Yeah. And she plays the captain of another Battlestar. And obviously I'm not going to go into the whole story. Like I'd have to sit here and explain to you a whole nother show. But the point is she plays somebody who uh, is good at her core, but has been through so much horrible stuff that basically she's turned into kind of a monster in order to survive the situation she's been placed Mm -hmm. into. And I think she is just like a captivating character on that show. Like Mm -hmm. just, I thought fantastic performance from her. And when I saw her here, I'm like, Oh my God, like what are we getting? And honestly, she played row closer to the Battlestar character than the row of old, which makes sense because this role, Aaron has been through, a lot been through the grinder, right? She uh, had all of her growing pains getting into Starfleet, then left Starfleet for the Maquis. The Maquis get obliterated. She goes to prison and she kind of come like, you know, it makes sense that she'd come out of all of this colder. Uh, Although I have a feeling that, that this, I mean, we've already kind of had a Maquis kind of um, redemption arc in some ways, which, mm. you know, what I call the entire of Voyager. Indeed, but, indeed. Uh, and in fact, quite a lot of DS9. Well, yeah, it's not even that the Maquis were terrible. Like, obviously their, their means were not great, but like the idea behind them were, you know, very justifiable. Like it's obvious why they, they were freedom fighters. Um, No, they called them lucky for a reason. I mean, they were, um, yeah, they're based on the, basically the French resistance trying to avoid conscription to, to Vichy. So like, 
you know, it's not necessarily the nicest means, but to a, a noble end. Indeed. I do wonder whether um, the Marquis might play an even bigger role, uh, or at least the groundwork done by them towards the yeah. end of this season. Yeah. Um, and quite, I, I mean, we shall see. Uh, mm. the, I love the scenes with her and Picard where they were just mm. hashing out their differences and just well done. And honestly, I, I don't know if this is, maybe this is just me, Ben, but as the episodes have gone on, I felt mm. like Patrick Stewart has somehow gotten younger as I think that's deliberate. He sounds more and more Picard and less and less <laughs> old man Patrick Stewart. Yeah. He's recovering the character. We we hit the the kind of bumpy rock bottom at that moment when yeah. Riker rolls him off the bridge, and then you suddenly get that sort of pulling up of the nose, like straight after that in the next episode, and it's definitely carried on through this one. There's yeah. a kind of and, recovery of, of yeah. who he is. And if that's a deliberate choice, I love it because <laughs> mm. it was so working for me. Like it I feels- was. I started getting, this is the first episode where I really started to get that warm, fuzzy nostalgia feeling of like, if I just close my eyes, like this could be a next gen episode. Like, especially that dialogue between the three of them. I could, yeah. Like I could open my eyes and the aspect ratio would be four by three and (laughs) and everything would be much, much brighter, including the uniforms. But like everything else about this would be very much the same. Um, especially in those later seasons of next gen with Roe, because they were sort of trying to blend next gen with DS nine, which was definitely a more gritty show. So like they're trying to put a little bit of an edge on next gen. So they wouldn't shy away from conversations like this. Next gen got vastly more interesting when they did that. Also. Yes, honestly. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I love this episode. Give it a four and a half. Uh, but we must be moving along listener because Mm. you're going to want to listen to the next episode where we talk about the next three episodes that we missed in Mm. the meantime head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show uh of course this is a listener supported podcast and there are a couple of ways you can help out there if you so choose we have a patreon patreon.com slash cinemageekly we have our merch store geeklymerch.com please feel free that's right it's the wrong show, but I do like to do it occasionally. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Spock. Um, I'm sure he will be shopping at geeklymerch.com. Links in the show notes for this episode. Uh, and of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. Just search for I'm a Doctor, Not a Podcast. Uh, hit subscribe, and that way you can join us next time where we will talk about episodes six, seven, and eight of Star Trek Picard. <laughs> <laughs> called The Bounty, Dominion, and Surrender. <laughs> <laughs>